Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast nine and three quarters topic of the week is sink or float, score bus. Hi there, listeners. I'm Jem, and I think score bus should float. And I'm Ria, and I have no strong feelings about score bus, but I'm gonna sink it anyway. <laughs> Hey, how you going? We're back. (laughs) Almost didn't happen, but it did. (laughs) Yay, we're back. (laughs) Very exciting. Yeah. Uh, So on the topic, let's pick up what we were talking about, like before we get into Score Bus, let's pick up what we were talking about at the end of last episode, Mm -hmm. where you very cruelly almost broke up with me and ended the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, that was a hectic time. (laughs) Basically, one of the big reasons that we cited for continuing to keep going was the fan mail that we received from one of our listeners called Julie. Hi, Julie. Shout out to you. Hey. Uh, So we got a follow up email from Julie talking about her response to our response and uh, some of her feelings about Harry Potter and how to participate in fandom ethically moving forward and all that sort of stuff. Great email. Thanks, Julie. Mm-hmm. I did want to read out yeah. one extract that she wrote about our podcast because I read it and it made me cry. So now you all mm-hmm. have to hear it as well. <laughs> made me feel emotions. <laughs> yep. You yep. got me. Here it is. The more I think about it, the more and more your podcast seems like the room of requirement and the DA. It really is ironic how similar this situation is to the fifth Harry Potter book. A bigoted person has a tight grasp on Hogwarts with no intention of letting it go. Their prejudice and ignorant views have caused an uprising of people to band together against them to create a safe space where they have no power and ultimately take their power away. In the books, the ultimate tipping point where Umbridge loses her influence is where Fred and George leave Hogwarts. They humiliate her and they defeat her through laughter. I think that the two of you are much like them. Two siblings speaking out against the horrible person who controls Hogwarts, using joy and laughter, as well as serious conversation to show how awful they truly are. Hey, Julie, that made me cry. Thank you for saying that. That's so lovely. (laughs) It was very beautiful. I instantly was so happy, teary, and cry, and I just sent it to Ria instantly. Yeah. It was gorgeous. (laughs) Thank you so much, Julie. (laughs) And then Jem was like, when do you want to record? And I'm like, when I'm not crying? Hey. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. If uh, if I had any doubts about wanting to continue the podcast and how to do it in a ethical manner, that has like washed any doubts out of my mind. That mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. What a what a thrilling way to think about what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. That and the continued support from not just Julie but other like listeners that have reached out 
Die with Summer, Teresa, Zach, who was Mm -hmm. uh, asking us to do this school bus episode for some time now. Finally got to it, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Zach. We're doing it. (laughs) I will admit, I went back and listened to our Jarry episode in preparation for this. And, like, one of the first things that you said right at the beginning of the episode is, we got lots of requests for Drowry and School Bus, so we're going to do School Bus next. Whoops. <laughs> that, that was more than a year ago. <laughs> hey, we got to it eventually. Yeah. <laughs> we're busy. We've got lots of ideas, lots of thoughts. <laughs> All right. Can't always be good at our jobs. Imagine. Imagine what it'd be like. All right. <laughs> so... Yeah. Shall you shall ye um introduce <laughs> the sink or float, my lord? <laughs> I shall. I'm glad we've started this episode with such a weird energy. That's good. Oh god. So <laughs> this is a continuation of our sink or float mini series. In these episodes we look at popular ships in the Harry Potter fandom and argue about whether they should sink or keep floating. This is the sixth sink or float we've done. Uh, if you haven't listened to our earlier episodes, we've talked about Wolfstar, Drarry, as I mentioned, <laughs> Harmony, Romini, and Lonks, Ray and uh, we recommend checking those episodes out, even though you don't have to, because there's not, like, a unified story or whatever. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this time we are looking at Scorbus, or Scorpibus, as Jem calls it, infuriatingly, <laughs> uh, which is the Scorpius malfoy slash albus Potter relationship. Uh, as always, this is just for fun. Everyone can ship whatever they like, and no ship is better or more valid than any other. Fandom's just for fun, and the only reason we do this series is because it's fun, and because Julie sends us beautiful messages that encourage us to keep going. <laughs> yep, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, sink or float time, Scorpibus, Scorbus, whichever one you yeah. want to say. So, <laughs> first of all, before we get into it, we need to decide, are they gay? Because it's only fair. Yes. Okay, so I have these reasons. So obviously in The Cursed Child, they're 14 for like the majority of the play. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's we're not really talking about a sexual relationship here. We're talking about more a crush, maybe a bit of a a romance. Like Mm -hmm. they're both still kids. They're sort of pining, you know. It's like friends to dating sort of energy where it's like the pining and the longing and the misunderstood emotions. Yeah. I argue that they are gay. Both of them are either gay or bisexual, bi curious, pan. Definitely mm-hmm. not straight, both of them. Yeah. Um, men who love men. Yeah, yeah. The most important relationships they have is with one another, and both have complex and strained relationships with their dads. I mean, that's got gay energy. <laughs> <laughs> that is big gay energy. <laughs> so that's my case. Do you have anything to say about them not being gay? Yes, I do have one thing to say about them not being gay. All right. <laughs> We hear it. Yep, here's my counter argument. I'm going to read it from my notes verbatim. How much of this episode will be me reading things aloud? It's happened twice already, going for a third time. <laughs> here's my argument. I put lots of thought and effort into this. Please take this seriously. No. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> they can't be gay because they have chemistry with their love interest, Rose Weasley, and slash or girl Voldemort Jr., or whatever the fuck heteronormative bullshit happens in this play. There we go. That's my argument. Wow. Try and take that one down, genius. It's so compelling. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no chemistry between Rose and Scorpius Weasley, Rose Weasley and Scorpius Malfoy. Let's just get that straight. That's based... Straight. <laughs> See what I did. <laughs> Unintentionally. Woo! You're a um, so- <laughs> God, this episode has a weird energy. <laughs> We're thrilled to be alive. Yeah, the adrenaline. <laughs> 
Scorpius has no <laughs> chemistry with Rose. Basically, that whole thing where Scorpius wants to build up the courage to ask out Rose, it's meant to be like a character moment for him where he's like, you know, jumping out of his shell a little bit. After all he's gone through with the adventures of the story, he finally plucks up the courage to ask out Rose and she turns him down. <laughs> Iconic. But <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, Rose is also really hard done by in this play. She's kind of portrayed as really mean, standoffish, not really given much time on stage to do anything. She's really sidelined. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Um, so that whole thing, there's no mm. chemistry built up between them. The only chemistry that Scorpius... The only chemistry on stage that we see built up is between Scorpius and Atlas. Let's be real. And the whole Delphi thing? Yeah. Creepy. Delphi is the bad guy. <laughs> Duh. And she's using Albus and Scorpius the whole time as like sort of like she's sort of, you know, trying to manipulate them to get what she needs them to do. But she's also meant to be like in her mid-twenties or something gross like that. She's like meant to be like a full-on adult. Ugh. And Albus is portrayed as having like a bit of an interest in her like... I suppose the framing is like, oh, any teenage boy around a, a pretty young woman. Eh. Um, I kind of see this as maybe Ugh, Albus being a little bit like by being like, oh, pretty lady, but it never really developed more beyond Albus just thinking she looked good. And it was never really developed beyond just Albus thinking mm. she looked pretty. And it, even then it never went to like a, I want to have a relationship with this grown woman or anything like that. It was weird. It was just like an, an enamored vibe not really a mm. i want to fuck delphi vibe <laughs> you know <laughs> i i got the vibes that like something that really intrigued albus about delphi was that like she was the first person who he ever met who seemed reasonable and normal but was also critical of his father and the decisions that harry made when he was his yeah. age and harry's like not harry sorry albus is like oh i've never been exposed to these ideas before and i'm already kind of critical and tense with my relationship with my dad I want to glomp onto this person and like learn more about them and understand where they're coming from so I can try and reevaluate my relationship with my father mm. yeah how did you it was an interesting use of the word glomp I don't think I've said that since I was 12 yeah weird <laughs> threw, threw me back in 2008 how did that come out of my mouth how, how did you how did you get those vibes Ria when you haven't read the Castral <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> so Here's a, here's a point that I haven't had a chance to make yet, but it will make now. This single Floyd episode is going to be a little bit different from usual because I'm not particularly well equipped to be arguing against Scorebus. Usually um, when we're talking Harry Potter, we're both equally familiar with the source material or at least, you know, have both read it. <laughs> but I haven't read The Cursed Child and I don't intend to. I don't even really want to see the play anymore because I don't want to give more money to JK than I absolutely have to. <laughs> I'm just kind of going off what you said to me, the general vibes I've picked up from being a Harry Potter fan and like other things that I've seen and read about the play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Deep takes on the internet. Yep. I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Sure. Okay, so I can see that too, where it's like, yeah, Delphi is competent adult who is critical of Harry, and that is a first for Albus since that intrigues him. And she's also the one that sort of calls... She's the call to action to bring him onto this quest, so... Mm-hmm. But, yeah, like I said, I never saw it as a sexual thing. I never saw it as a super romantic build-up between them. I really... No, I didn't see that at all. The age difference, the fact that they have nothing in common, the fact that, you know, it's never really addressed beyond the fact that Albus says that Delphi looks good for her age. 
yeah, it's not really a thing. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, Albus's most important relationship is with Scorpius and with his father, of course. So my first argument. Albus and Scorpius are a great couple, or would be a great couple, because they're best friends, and friendship it has a solid foundation for a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Discuss. Friendship is a solid relationship. Okay, sorry. <laughs> friendship is a solid foundation for a relationship. Okay. I... <sighs> Friendship is obviously the best and most solid foundation for a relationship, but I think that the nature of their friendship is probably going to lead to an unhealthy romantic relationship. Hmm. Explain. The problem is... Yeah, I will. (laughs) (laughs) The problem is that their friendship is like their whole world. They're so close and so dependent on each other. Mm -hmm. They have no other friends except for each other. They have really, really tense relationships with their families. I think. Um, definitely on Albus's part. I don't know about Scorpius as much. Not Scorpius. Scorpius. Scorpi. Scorpi. Yeah. <laughs> Using his official nickname because his parents are terrible at naming. Yeah. Um, I think to have, like, you know, not just a good friendship, but a good relationship... You need more friends and more social connections outside of just your romantic partner in order to have a healthy, functional relationship with your partner. I imagine that many of the couples currently trapped together in quarantine are realizing this now. Mm -hmm. Being around just one person, especially when, you know, you're cut off from other links and it's the only person that you can be honest or vulnerable around is going to make you either hate them or become obsessed with them. Okay. Obviously, the reason why Scorpius and Albus are best friends is you hit the nail on the head. They're both outcasts. They're both weirdos and losers that only really have each other. But they also... (laughs) um, That's not the only reason. So it's not just the external pressures that force them to be friends together and to be a unit. It's also internally they have a lot in common. They Mm. like each other. They think that they're a great you know, duo, they work together well, um, they care about one another. Also, I I do think that they have external relationships outside their friendships. So obviously, the play takes place in a very strange time for all the characters, because that's what creates drama and tension. Albus isn't in a great spot with his dad in particular. We don't know <laughs> much about how Albus feels about his other two siblings. We know that, like, it's not as good as it could be because they're in Gryffindor and he's in Slytherin. But by the end of the play, that is all ameliorated. That's all put to rest and peace. And Scorpius has a great relationship with his dad, pretty much. Like, it's really good. Like, considering especially what Draco came from, (laughs) it's really positive. And Draco's always trying to look out for Scorpius and care for him and cares about not only just him as, like, an object or a representation of Malfoy House or his son, but cares about him as an actual person. Draco's the one that goes to Harry when Harry's keeping the boys apart and says, my boy has come to me in tears and I don't know why you would keep two friends apart. Like, it's it's very upsetting for Draco. Oh, good dad. I know, he's a great dad. I really think, like, even though Scorpius doesn't have friends, he has his, a solid family. He's got his friend in Albus and, like, Rose isn't too fond of him because she's portrayed as a bit of a, like, mean person. But I still think there's a, there's a yeah. you know, there's a, a likingness there. They they respect each other in some level. <laughs> a civil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just don't think it holds up to scrutiny that, you know, Albus and Scorpius are completely yeah. alone, especially when you consider how the play ends, where there's a lot of reparation between all the families. Yeah. First of all, real quick while I remember, 
because we've mentioned this twice now, it's absolutely fucked that the play and all of the promotional materials around the play present it as being about, you know, Albus, mm-hmm. Scorpius, and Rose, and then the entire play is completely ignoring the only, like, black woman that has ever been in a main role in Harry Potter and focuses exclusively yep. on the two white males. That's stupid. Uh, just wanted to acknowledge yep. that before we moved on. What was your other point that I was arguing against? Oh yeah, they've got great relationships with their families. <laughs> I guess so. I think with Scorpius especially, I was misremembering because I thought he hated his dad and was no. ashamed of his dad. But I think that's because everyone assumes Voldemort's his dad or something. Yeah, shit. yeah, that this is place why. is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's got a good relationship with Draco. Good. That's good to know. That derails me a little bit. This is hard when I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, my next point is there's a part of the play, basically, when the two boys are forced apart. Magical time turner bullshit. They create an alternate timeline where where Albus Potter is, a, is in Gryffindor. He's, Great. like, he's basically living the life that he's always wanted to live. Like, he's in Gryffindor. He has the respective relationship between his dad. He's an athlete, all this sort of stuff. Um, but they've created this magical timeline, and in this timeline, he's not friends with Scorpius. And so his dad... Harry, forces the two boys apart and forces McGonagall to use the Marauder's map to make sure they're always apart. It's bullshit. Anyway, um... <laughs> uh, so, basically, what happens... What happens is our two boyfriends can't see each other anymore. It's very much like the Thanks, homophobic Harry. dad is like, I don't want you hanging around that boy. He's a bad influence. Literally, Aww. the words that come out of Harry Potter's mouth. And Albus... There's this whole fucking scene on the moving staircases called the Staircase Ballet. It's iconic. Basically, Scorpius and Albus are like... <laughs> they're like forced apart and then Scorpius and Albus are like... Scorpius comes up one staircase and Albus comes up another and they just miss each other. And, and suddenly it's like, you know, they're stumbling around. They're looking sad and like melancholy because they can't be with their boyfriend. And then finally it gets to the point where they, they're coming up the same the staircases and they meet at the middle <laughs> at the top and they see each other and they look like they want to say something, but Albus lowers his head in shame and, and moves on and Scorpius looks heartbroken. The description is heartbroken, Rhea. Not sad or feeling empty. <laughs> heartbroken. Okay? This is... <laughs> Like, <laughs> tell me this doesn't have romantic tension. You don't feel the pining. You don't feel the earnestness for these two boys. They're separated. They want to be together. It's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What a great friendship. I love that those two are such good, close friends. <laughs> oh, being on this, this side of the argument is so powerful. <laughs> I, can just be, I can just play the friendship card like you usually do to shut down my arguments. Alright, here's an actual stage direction. (laughs) Scorpius appears at the back of the stage. He looks at his friend talking to a girl, and a part of him likes it, and a part of him doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) There's no straight explanation for that. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's pretty damning. (laughs) That's an actual fucking typed stage direction. (laughs) Like... Why would he not like it? What's a straight explanation for that? Oh, God. Jealousy turning saints into the <laughs> Literally. Now there was no the words. I do know the words. <laughs> yeah, Scorpius is super jealous of the fact that Albus and Delphi have this connection, that they're always, like, 
sort of spearheading the plan to go back in time and Cedric Diggory. Uh, yeah, I don't know no. what the fuck the plan. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? It's not about that. Okay, <laughs> it's about Scorpius and Albus's relationship. So Scorpius is always like walking in and seeing them talking and conspiring together, and he's like, "Oh, good for Albus," and then he's like, "Oh, good for Albus, I guess." <laughs> <laughs> wow <laughs> rolling his eyes Jealousy. it's like it's like Scorpius is Miguel Albus is Chulio and Delphi is Shell <laughs> from Road to El Dorado it's the same energy oh right I, I didn't recognize those names and I thought you were mentioning characters from Romeo and Juliet and I'm like I'll just stay quiet so nobody knows that I don't know my Shakespeare <laughs> just think of the Baz Luhrmann movie you'll be fine <laughs> Oh god, I wish I could. I, I don't remember that movie. <laughs> anyway, have you got anything to defend yourself? I've clearly brought on like actual hard proof here. Yeah, okay. Scorpius is jealous of the fact that Albus is talking to a girl. What are you going to say? You've got the hard real evidence. I think I'm going to draw on literally the only source I could find that was anti-Scorpius. <laughs> I looked everywhere. I found one source. <laughs> here it is, an article called why it's important that Albus and Scorpius aren't in love by Lizzie Gladwin on MuggleNet. I'll link to it. Alright. I'm going to read the whole quote again. Again, I'm just reading from other people. This is the fourth time. However, I truly believe that JKR has given our fandom a gift ugh, and is doing her best to bust male gender stereotypes in a bid to help teens across the world feel comfortable having close friendships without judgment. Um, it's concerning that males are susceptible to mental illness and suicide, blah blah blah. Uh, males feel that it's not masculine to talk about feelings and letting people know their inner turmoil is seen as weakness. Having strict gender expectations is hurting every generation and maybe it's time we break down those traditional gender stereotypes. Then it talks about how it's not important to have LGBT rep. Friendship, closeness and platonic affection shown between Albus and Scorpius highlights that close male friendships are also underrepresented and that needs to be addressed. Uh, The platonic relationship between Scorpius and Albus is hugely important in its own right. They don't conform to traditional stereotypes of masculine relationships, and this should be celebrated. So basically, it's like, yeah, they're really good friends, and that's incredibly important. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Look. <laughs> I really did that source justice. I'm sorry, Lizzie, if you're listening. I think Lizzie has a good point. Like, I can agree with that. It is important to show male friendships and to show affection between male friends. And, like, I just, I really understand that, and I really do think that's important. I just, this particular mm-hmm. friendship, in quotations, it's framed so much like a romance that it's not funny. Like, it's not even remotely close to just being a friendship. They're, they're, they're pining, they're longing, they're separation, they're working together. It's all very a romantic story. Even so much the fact that their bond is literally paralleled with the love between Snape and Lily, which, as we know by the writers and oh, the whole God. fucking shebang of Harry Potter, is constantly framed as the epitome of true romance. So the fact that Snape himself, Snape the character, compares Scorpius's relationship to Albus to his own Snape's relationship to Lily is pretty much the writers saying, or unintentionally saying, that the bond between Scorpius and Albus is love. It's not just friendship, it's love. It's romantic love. Like, there's no mistaking it here. You can't just make that parallel (laughs) without it being like, yeah, this is love. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty damning. Yeah. The the Snape obsession with Lily is, like, presented as the Harry Potter story as being, you know, this true 
ultimate form of love outside of the motherly love sacrifice, blah, blah, blah. It's like the big romantic love story that we're supposed to buy into. Yep, yep. I cannot believe that the writers would unintentionally parallel Scorpius and Albus with James, not James, with Severus and Lily. Like, that has to be intentional. Either they're completely incompetent and, as writers and don't know what they're doing, or they did that deliberately. Mm-hmm. They did it in a scene where it's a time travel bullshit, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it's a scene where um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Snape and Scorpius are on stage. Severus Snape. And Dementors are descending in. Severus Snape is doing his best to fend them off. Scorpius is, is like, losing hope. He, he needs to use the time turner to get back in time and bring his friend back, essentially. Um, but he's losing hope. He's getting... This is the part where he's separated from he's Albus separated. and in despair. Yeah, it's it's separated through time. This is a, this is a timeline where Albus doesn't exist. It's very desperate. Okay, He's cool. trying to get back to a timeline where his friend, boyfriend, will exist again. Anyway, um... <laughs> True love, soulmate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Snape is fending off all these dementors and Scorpius losing hope. He can't focus. And Snape says to him, essentially... Think of of your of your Albus as I think of my Lily, and Scorpius thinking of Albus and remembering Albus is gives him the strength to get away from the Dementors and do what he needs to do to get back to the timeline where Albus exists. Does he cast a Patronus? No, we don't see Scorpius cast a Patronus. He's only fourteen; he doesn't really know. Yeah, yeah, that would have been over the line because we know that Snape's Patronus is a living <laughs> emblem of his love for Lily. If like, mm. <laughs> if Scorpius. Scorb- I keep calling him Scorbus. If Scorbius had turned around and cast a Patronus that in some way represented Albus, I would have called bullshit on this whole play. Yeah, no. Um, the reason I think the only reason that he didn't cast Patronus is because the whole time the play is telling us Scorbius and Albus aren't competent wizards. They can't do spells. They're not defensive magic people. Like because they're shit. Like they're losers. Yeah. Like <laughs> Scorbius. They're, is good they're at children of legends. Stuff. They're not legends yeah. themselves. So that makes sense. Like, yeah, yeah. So. That happens. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. This is more than just a friendship. Like, the, the friendship between Scorpius and Albus is different to the friendship between Harry and Ron. Like, I know Harry and Ron still have masculine elements to their friendship. Like, we don't really see Harry and Ron confessing their love for one another. Yeah. And we don't really see them, like... Harry and Ron have problems where they don't speak openly about their yeah like feelings with each other they have big fights where they just don't talk to each other for months and then when the fight's over they just sort of like acknowledge it and then move on they don't like yeah talk through any of the baggage that caused that fight or address it or anything like that you know typical guy energy but they do have their moments like in the seventh book especially when they're a bit older they have their moments where they confront some of the things that have been barriers in their friendship and i think that's important and that is what your source was getting to that like we need more of that in male friendships yeah i was more talking about like in fourth book when they're the same age as um scorpius and albus yeah yeah i can appreciate what your source was saying but honestly just the way that these two are framed it's not a friendship it's romance it's there's no hiding it it's definitely a romantic plot so on to my next point uh Mm -hmm. scorpius and albus they work together they defend one another they have in- they have like you know skills that complement each other so they work well under a crisis i just think that that's really important for a relationship they they have just a good energy and a good back and forth it's very flirtatious i would say okay uh anything you want to say to that not really <laughs> sounds good sorry i'm struggling because i haven't read the main source material <laughs> probably should have for this episode but who has the time <laughs> um scorpius and albus 
are also they show a lot of physical intimacy like they hug one another Aww. that's that they they don't hug anyone else in the play not even their own dads oh god but they hug one another yeah it's it's cute <laughs> <laughs> the, the line is albus hugs his friend with fierceness they hold for a beat actual stage direction <laughs> incredible <laughs> okay now i'm gonna play a game called uh is this quote from the cursed child or is it from romeo and juliet um oh, gem. <laughs> uh, okay okay oh god i really wish i hadn't established earlier that i don't know romeo <laughs> and juliet here we go i've given you too much power <laughs> if i had to choose a companion to be at the return of eternal darkness with i'd choose you i know that one that's scorpius and albus it is it's scorpius and albus scorpius talking to albus so the situation is they it's like the last sort of time travel journey they've been forced by delphi to time travel back to the 80s um delphi's about to go confront her father before he tries to kill harry so that she'll stop him from being murdered mm-hmm. so scorpius and albus are trapped in the 80s and they're trying to figure out like trying to think their way out of like what do we do to warn people to get people to help us what do we do and there is a suggestion that maybe they should wait until they meet their future selves and maybe then they can communicate or something like that. And Albus is like, how would we do that? And Scorpius is like, we could hide together in a hole for like 40 years, I guess. <laughs> and Albus is like, as much as that sounds great, like I just don't think it would work. And Scorpius is like, yeah, you're right. But if I had to choose a companion to be at the return of eternal darkness with, I'd choose you. Oh, <laughs> basically saying if I had to be trapped in a hole with anyone for like forty years, I would want it to be you. Mm-hmm. God, fuck Scorpius, you're not making my job easy. <laughs> <laughs> yep, got anything to say to that? No, that's pretty romantic. <laughs> it's pretty romantic. All right, um, let's talk a bit about time travel. Oh, was that okay. not? I thought you were going to have other quotes for me to choose from. I have other quotes. They're just coming in later. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> All right. This is going to be a recurring game. Good. That's good to know. <laughs> There's a few time travel things that happen. Obviously, we I talked about the one where Albus is suddenly a Gryffindor and <laughs> Harry wants to keep Albus and Scorpius apart because he's a piss baby. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so in that, Albus is living his best life, yeah. basically. he's living. he's a homophobic father yeah. who hates his gay son. Yeah, basically. Um, Albus is living his best life, the life he's always wanted. He has the love of his father, he's in a Gryffindor, it's what he's always kind of wanted to be. But it's not enough, because he can't see Scorpius anymore. It's it's so draining to him, it's so upsetting that he can't deal with it. Delphi, the villain of the play, Scorpius like meets her in the forest, plot reasons. Anyway, he's like, hey, uh, has mm. Albus talked to you recently, basically? And she's like, yeah, I feel... <laughs> He writes letters to me and I feel your absence in the letters. Like you two, you need to get back. You need to be together. You two are made for each other. That's what she says. You two belong oh my together. God. Like <laughs> <laughs> they can't, they, they are so upset about being forced <sighs> apart that they literally break time so that they can be together again. That's what they do. They try and go back in time a second time. And that's when all the badness happens because Albus accidentally is erased from existence and Voldemort was never killed and Harry was killed. And that's a different timeline. I'll get to that one next if you have any points that you want to counter with first. Uh, that doesn't sound like soulmates to me. That sounds like a good, 
healthy friendship between two young men. Aren't they such good friends? Is that what you're going to say? Yeah, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay. Sorry. I've got like two more big arguments, but they're not going to help me on this point by point stuff. Okay. Sorry. On to my next point. I've got one big, I've got two more big meta arguments, basically. All right. On to my next point. Um, the next time they travel back in time is when they try and fix it so that they can be friends again. But then it ends up, you know, erasing Albus from existence. Harry Potter is dead. He was killed by Voldemort, who's still alive. The school is run by Umbridge and there's Voldemort Day and Scorpius ruins it and all this sort of bullshit. Yeah. So basically, in this version of the timeline... (laughs) Ruining Voldemort Day. (laughs) The best line of the play. In this version of the timeline, Scorpius is living his best life, for the most part. His mum's is still dead. That sucks. But he doesn't have these constant rumours swirling around him that he's Voldemort's son, he's not a loser, he's not seen as an outcast... He still has a love of his dad, like, that's in every timeline. But even though he has, like, you know, prefect status, he's an, a great athlete, he's top of his class, and he's respected by all his peers, none of it matters. He's so sad and miserable the whole time because he doesn't have Albus, and Albus doesn't exist, and he doesn't want to live in a world where Albus doesn't exist. And so to, to in order to get that world back, to get his boyfriend back... He decides to risk everything and risks his own life by going to Snape and exposing to Snape that he knows he's a double agent. Like, he can't live in a world without Albus. <laughs> like, even though... Okay. Uh, yeah. Does it... <laughs> does it explicitly say that he's doing this because of Albus? Because, like, I'm sorry, but there's a lot of things wrong with it, this perfect life. Yeah, he's popular and stuff, but also Voldemort is still alive and rules the world. That's a pretty big driving factor, I would say. You're right. But the way that Scorpius presents this to Snape and talks about how he has to change time to Snape is because I've got to get back to a timeline where Albus... Potter exists, where Harry Potter exists and he has a son called Albus Severus Potter. I have to get back to this timeline. Like, literally, it's just... (laughs) He's so upset. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah, okay, that's stupid. (laughs) I have to get back to a timeline where Harry has a son named Albus. (laughs) Oh god. Anyway. Yep, okay. That's the thing. So there's another point later down the road where Albus and Scorpius, they have their confrontation. There's a lot of underlying tensions in their friendship. Scorpius feels that Albus doesn't appreciate that Albus can be really big-headed and stubborn sometimes and not appreciative of what his friend does for him. Because Scorpius has a rough life. Like, his mum's dead. (laughs) Everyone thinks he's the son of Voldemort. Everyone hates him. He's not good at anything. He's a loser. That Albus is always like, woe is me, woe is me, my dad's Harry Potter and, like, I have all these expectations on me. And Scorpius snaps and is like, oh, you think your life's bad? Try being me. Like, I went back in time twice and I thought maybe once my mum would be alive, but oh no, she's still dead. (laughs) Get fucked. Um, (laughs) And there's a line which is like... Oh, poor Scorpius. There's a line where they're like, they're like, you know, having verbal back and forths. And the stage direction is Albus pins Scorpius to the ground and says, I wasn't such a loser before I met you. Oh my god. That's the start of a fic. Like, that is the beginning (laughs) of a really good fic. 
Can I just question? I know you haven't seen wow. the play, but do you imagine that with this pinning to the ground, like maybe he's like kneeling over Albus and he's got like maybe both of Albus's heads, hands like pinned up above his head? Yeah, I imagine it like Nala pinning Simba. Like, pinned ya. Got ya. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight up, I've read that fic. <laughs> yep. It, by the way, they have this fight, but it's like the whole time they're fighting, they're still being respectful of each other. Like, they say things like, oh, you know. Like, I I wasn't a loser before I met you, but then they don't mean it. And they go back and they're like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said this. And this is how the fight ends, by the way. <laughs> Scorpius is like, I feel bad because everyone thinks oh, I'm They're such good friends. Son. I know, yeah. Oh, shut up. Scorpius is like, I, I feel bad because I think everyone thinks I'm Voldemort's son. And then Albus says, no, you could never be Voldemort's son because you're kind, Scorpius. To the depths of your belly, to the tips of your fingers, it's something I should have said a long time ago. In fact, you're probably the best person I know. And you don't, you couldn't hold me back. You make me stronger. And when dad forced us apart without you, Scorpius, I didn't much like my life without you in it either. That's the exchange. That's how the fight ends. That's so romantic. God. I know. <laughs> I know. It's like, I couldn't write anything more romantic than that. No, not even if I was trying. <laughs> Do you have more evidence from the text? Uh, no more evidence from the text, I guess. Okay. But I just have one more argument, which is more of a meta argument. So, you've presented many, many points in the text which read as if they were written for a romance. I think you said Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> that play I've definitely read. Yep. <laughs> I love that we're talking about two plays that I've definitely read. <laughs> so helpful to me. Uh, you also said something else that I thought was good. This really interesting word called uh, queer baiting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I want to talk about some fucking queer baiting. Yep. I've said before, I've said many, many times on this podcast that I don't care about canon when it comes to fandom and shipping, especially. I can Canon just doesn't matter in fandom. One of the best things about fandom is that it's transformative and that we can, you know, take a story and do something different with it. That's what's fun. And a big part of that is choosing to acknowledge and accept that just because I interpret characters as queer and I can create a love story out of two characters just interacting with each other, that doesn't mean that canon was intending to write it that way or that any thoughts of a queer romance story was even like on the creator's radar when they were writing it. And that can be really disappointing, but most of the time it's fine. And like, I don't necessarily want my vision of the story to be in the canon. Like I just want to mess around in fandom. Mm -hmm. The big exception to that is queer baiting. And I'll define what queer baiting is because that makes sense. Queer baiting is different from when a creator unknowingly or unintentionally fills a story with lots of queer subtext and homoerotic tension. Mm-hmm. Like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle did in the original Sherlock Holmes story. There's so much queer tension in that, but I don't think he did it on purpose. No. And it's also very different when the creators really want to add more diversity to their stories, but they aren't allowed to because mm-hmm. they answer to some other authority. Like in Gravity Falls. Uh, like Alex Hirsch yeah. in Gravity Falls. That's the exact <laughs> <laughs> example I was going to say. Um, he really wanted the two cops, the sheriff and the deputy, to be a queer couple on that show, but Disney wouldn't let him. So that's just all happening in the subtext. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
queer baiting is when creators are are aware or they become aware that their story has a very large queer audience or fan base so they intentionally add more subtext and homoerotic tension as a promise to the fans to keep that audience invested and interested and wanting to pay more money to the franchise but in actuality the creators have no intention of ever delivering on that promise and really having queer characters in their story together or in a happy romantic relationship they're just baiting the audience with what they know we want but they'll never actually give it to us mm-hmm. for my example i've written down supernatural is notorious for this oh yeah i yeah i used to be a massive fan of the show supernatural and i was very invested in the destiel ship the dean winchester and castiel um, and the writers of the show play that up. They are absolutely aware of it. The actors talk about it and joke about it. The show is filled with little nods and winks towards the ship, but they'll never do anything about it. They will never make Dean Winchester openly buy or make him be in love with Cass. It's just not, not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So Destiel is where I actually first learned the term queer baiting and became aware of it and understood what it meant. And it effectively ruins the show for me. That and the terrible writing the later seasons, but that's another episode. Uh, So it just really leaves a bitter taste in my mouth once I'm aware of it. And it it meant that I couldn't enjoy that show anymore. And when I find it in other media, it makes it really, really hard for me to enjoy that media and the ship especially. So (laughs) eventually I get to my point. I think Scorbus is a bad ship because it is atrocious queer baiting from JK, Thorne, and Tiffany. As we've said throughout this entire episode, all of this like romantic subtext, it's so it's so obvious. I can't imagine that it wasn't intentional. It just has to be, the way that it's written. Mm-hmm. And I can I hand wave away a lot of the things from the original series because it was 20 years ago and it was before JK had the power and influence that she has now and before everything that happened with Dumbledore being invisibly gay and all the fallout over that. But she she should know better by now. She does know better by now. She should be more conscious of the way that queerness is represented in her world. And this story of these two boys who are very clearly in love with each other to the point at which they're like, I'll rather be with you at the end when darkness comes and all this bullshit. The whole story revolves around their devotion to each other. And then right at the end, they just sort of hand wave it away with some, make them straight before it's too late. It's offensive to the point of being outright malicious. That's what I have to say about that. Look, that's a very good argument. It's all very well-reasoned, very logical, very well-structured, and very accurate. (laughs) It's a very Mm -hmm. good argument. And I can't defend it, because I could argue that Thorne, Tiffany, and Rowling are ignorant to the point of stupidity when it comes to framing things this way, but just the fact that there is that parallel between James... Sorry, not James. Between Snape and Lily and Scorpius and Albus, I think just think it's it's too clear like if that's clearly meant to be romance not mm-hmm. friendship they could have easily have been like oh snape is like snape doesn't have a friend so it would have to be a different <laughs> thing they could have been like oh let's compare the friendship between harry and ron or harry and hermione and ron or whatever yeah and 
but no, they they went. Doesn't for Scorpius it. meet Hermione and Ron? They do. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. Doesn't Scorpius meet Hermione and Ron in that he timeline? Does. They could have had the same conversation about Ron and Harry. Yeah, could have. And yeah, and Ron being like, even with Hermione here, who I love, I would do anything to get back to a timeline where Harry is still alive, mm-hmm. so that we can all unite in friendship and defeat Voldemort. Some bullshit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Except in that timeline, Ron and Har- Ron and Hermione aren't together. It's weird. Anyway. Um... No. So even then, that still works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's all very true and accurate. I only have one more thing to say, just one meta argument, which I think is pro-Scorbus. It's uh, that I think that their mm-hmm. relationship is great in a healing sense on a generational level in text. So, you know, they're both their fathers are okay. mortal enemies for most of their childhoods. And the fact that these two boys have a friendship that maybe one day blossoms into a romance, I think that would be a really <laughs> cute and interesting dynamic that brings those two families the Malfoys and the Potters and by extension the Weasleys together um I think god imagine the comedy imagine the like the meet the parents comedy (laughs) of that (laughs) like (laughs) so good but oh my god do you know how much I would give for like a meet the parents style movie (laughs) with a Scorba story and Harry and Draco having to get together and like yeah. Come to accept each other. Oh my god, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> write the fic. Someone out there, write the fic. I'm, I'm begging you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's literally my last point. And yeah, everything you said is correct. Um, it's queer baited the fuck out of... We brought this up in various episodes beforehand. Like, if how, if how would we rewrite the cursed child like no queer baiting we just straight out do it like no pussy footing around yeah. they're gay they're together they love each other mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah that's that's basically it that's that's all my arguments i have one more argument which you've brought up perfectly so from my general attitude in this episode <laughs> uh you might think that I, like, actually do ship Scorbus, and I'm just being deliberately obtuse because that's the premise of the show and, like, some of us, one of us has to sink, so sometimes we have to say things we don't mean. And obviously that's a little bit there. But I genuinely don't skip ship Scorbus, and the reason that I don't is because I think, I feel like the entire ship is just drary light. It's new drary. And I'm very uncomfortable with that. I think well, first of all, the first time that I ever encountered Scorbus was as a secondary ship in a Drowry fanfic, where like yeah. the two of them started dating. Basically, the premise that we just said now that um, Scorpius and Albus are dating, and Harry and Draco start spending more time around each other because of that, and then they fall in love and they get yeah. together. And like, I yeah, bad. I didn't like it. Incest. I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the exact point to me. Um. This ship is steering dangerously close to the waters of incest ocean, is what I wrote. (laughs) Wow. It really, yeah, it feels to me... Only because of that specific situation. If it's like, you know, Draco's a widow and Harry's with Ginny, then it's fine. They can get together. Scorpius and Albus can get together. That's fine. Yeah. But not when it's, you know, Drari and Scorpius at the same time. No, really, have some control. That's the thing, though. It feels to me like pretty much everyone who ships Scorbus also ships Drari, because Scorbus is just Drari without the baggage of them being enemies, you know, for cowards. Cowards who don't live and breathe the enemies to lovers trope like I do. Um, Okay, so it's not cowardly to 
preference a <laughs> friends to lovers trope over an enemies to lovers trope. Enemies to lovers Cowardice. inherently is about sexual tension. Bullshit. Friends to lovers inherently is about the pining, the pining Ria. So maybe not everything's about sex, you heathen. <laughs> you think the okay. enemies to lovers trope isn't about pining? Oh my god. Okay, we have it to have... Is, no, no. But not as much. <laughs> okay, I'm ending podcast nine and three quarters. <laughs> it's my turn Your now. Your turn to break up with me. Right? I can't work in these conditions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was researching for this episode and I was looking up like people who don't ship Scorbus and anti-Scorbus arguments and I found that one article and that was it pretty much everything else that I found was like I don't ship Scorbus I don't know it reminds me too much of Drarry or I ship Drarry a lot but I don't ship Scorbus and like every basically everyone that either shipped Drarry or didn't no, either ship Scorbus or didn't ship Scorbus had an opinion on Drari and most of it was positive. And I'm like, I just feel like there is a massive overlap between these two ships. And that's the main reason why people like Scorbus. I think if this was a play that didn't exist within the Harry Potter universe, if this was like a separate, completely brand new original text, people wouldn't be as invested as in Scorbus as they were without like the outstanding framework of Drarry surrounding it. Hmm. See, I just don't think so, because Eldorado exists, and they had no fathers that were enemies to lovers. <laughs> they were just, <laughs> as themselves, <laughs> friends to lovers, <laughs> with a random female character in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I just, I don't, just, I don't agree with that. I think, I get what you're saying about the Drarry conflict, and that it is kind of like Drarry light, and I can appreciate that. I just think that you don't have to choose, you know, if you want to be a Drari shipper and a Scorpus shipper, <laughs> you can do that. Just not in the same fic, okay? <laughs> Separate. <laughs> I have them two in different fics, different universes. <laughs> Otherwise it gets creepy and incesty and we don't want that. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> That's my take. <laughs> <laughs> we have to keep our ships away from the dangerous waters of incest ocean. That's not what we want to be sailing. Yeah, no. And by the way, don't anyone ever suggest to me that we do a Fred and George single flow because I'm literally that's that'll be it. That'll be me quitting the podcast. <laughs> don't suggest that to me. <laughs> uh, I was about to say I'm sorry, but no, I'm not sorry. <laughs> Incest is going to be where we have to draw a line on this show. <laughs> we don't have a lot of lines. Incest and pedophilia. I'm not going anywhere fucking near it. Okay, I do not know. It's not yeah. cute. Don't ship it. That's my one line. That's not cute to ship. It's not healthy. Don't yeah. do it. We're willing to talk about a lot of things in this show and a lot of topics that we are like not equipped to talk about or might be offensive, but probably not. We're probably we're not going to have an episode where one of us has to argue a pro pedophilia ship or one of us has to argue a pro incest ship. That's just not going to happen. Yeah. Not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, this has gone way off the rails. Yeah. Um, this is such a cute, fluffy ship of just friends who love each other a lot, and I've I've brought up the bad things. <laughs> uh, I'll finish my argument by drawing back to the first meeting between Scorpius and Albus. The stage direction says, Scorpius and Albus look at each other, and something passes between them. I think whether you witnessed it on stage, or read it on the page, or heard about it through fanfiction, or theorised about it before The Cursed Child, we can all agree that when the name Scorpius Malfoy and the names Albus Severus Potter were printed in ink on the 19 years later epilogue, we knew that something would pass between these two boys, whether it be rivals, whether it be friendship, 
whether it be one day be love, we all knew that there wouldn't be indifference between these two characters. And I think that's powerful. And that's why I'm still on the side of float. God, that is powerful. That's a really good point. I love that. I didn't even write that down. I just made that up as I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> I just went with it. Powerful. <laughs> I so enraged you that you had to come up with a closing <laughs> remark. <laughs> and we leave our fair lovers in Verona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically, the big energy that radiates off School Bus for me is when you're young and you're queer, but you don't know it yet, and you are completely obsessed with your best friend for reasons that you cannot understand not even in your own mind you're just like i love this person they're the coolest person i know i want to be around them all the time i'm obsessed with them sleepovers in their bed hells yeah this is my life i love it that's what scorbus and albus is to me yeah and then they so i don't think that you can not ship them (laughs) it's too obvious that they're in love and then, like, your friend gets this really cute boyfriend, Kyle, who is so cute, but he had to go back to Canada. <laughs> and it's like, why are you so obsessed with me? Ah, <laughs> oh, mean girls. So, I've been Jem, and I, if I had to choose one person, <laughs> one companion to be at the Return of Eternal Darkness with, <laughs> I'd choose you. <laughs> me? No, I'm talking to the <laughs> listeners. Wow. <laughs> Bye, listeners. Sorry this episode had such a weird energy. (laughs) I've been Rhea. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us or get in touch, the links to our social media and Patreon are in the show notes. Please feel free to send us so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the middle of the sea just to avoid them. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.